we knew that this day was going to come. Uh, when we moved in here, we knew that there was going to come a day when we'd outgrow this room. And I want to say a special, special thank you to those of you who came to the first service on Christmas Eve when this room was so full. There was no room at the inn. There were people watching on screens outside and in the happy room. So thanks. I didn't hear a single person complaining. Um, but our invitation as a church is experience God with us. And it's a very different experience when you're outside watching it on a TV screen than when you're in with the family. And so if you would join me in praying um, for God to continue to lead us, I I have great confidence because he's led us every step of the way in this journey as a church. And we love this community center. So let's just pray that God is going to continue to lead us and help us to know what to do. Um, I did some stats. I'm looking at this room and it's very full here today. Uh, The last time we had a service on New Year's Day was 2012. And we had 153 of us back then in the service. And there's a lot more than 153 in here today. So let's pray as we open the service for this new year, but also that God's going to continue to guide us as we try to make room for everybody that God is sending our way. So let's pray. Lord, um, we're so thankful that you called this church into existence almost 10 years ago. And we pray, Lord, that you are going to um, continue to make our path straight. We're so thankful that you led us to Chippewa. We're so thankful you led us here. Um, it's very hard for most of us to see any kind of uh, future that doesn't also include the community center. So, Lord, if that's your vision for us, to be here and someplace, then, then make that clear. But, Lord, we pray that as we, um, we step forward in faith, you're going to direct our steps just as you have every step of the way. We're so thankful for this fresh start, 2017. We pray that we could launch with this new series where we bring our focus completely on you when it comes to how do we have breakthroughs in our own lives and in, as a community. So guide and bless everything that happens here today and every day that follows. In Jesus' name, amen. So I don't say, don't, I'm not giving lip service to that. Really be joining us in praying that God's going to make our, our paths straight here as we, we dive in. All right, well, today we are starting a brand new series. Uh, Brandon mentioned that called This Kind. If you would be so kind as to pull out this insert, each and every week we put an insert in your bullet, and almost every week. And on the back, we try to say, here's the series that we're in, here's the series that's coming up, and then here's the breakdown for the weeks. So here is what we're going into here to start this year. I'm really excited for this series. The little caption that we have for it is Why do most of us settle for religion when we can access a relationship? with the one who has authority over nature and demons and sickness and death itself. Join us as we jumpstart 2017 by exploring what the master taught his disciples about praying and about casting out. One of the reasons I have so much peace as we look ahead to this next year and we're having these great issues of space and all these types of things is because God, he has authority over all things. And we're, amen. And we're going to press into that today because I know a lot of us are facing things that seem much bigger than us. Um, we're going to begin this whole series by talking about breakthroughs. That's what we're going to talk about today. And that's why I'm wearing this jersey. Any excuse I can have to wear <laughs> a jersey, I'm going to take it, right? Um, but here's, here's why. Uh, when it comes to breakthroughs, so many of us thought that are Vikings fans. We're like, this is going to be a breakthrough year, didn't we? Come on. We're like, 5-0 and oh, going into the bye. This is it. This is a breakthrough year. We had much higher hopes than an 8-8, eight and eight, God willing, record at the end of today at about 3.30 this afternoon. This is it. This is our last game of the season. And many of us thought we were going to continue on beyond the season, right? We had high seasons, high expectations. This is going to be a breakout year. And then Bridgewater got hurt. And Peterson. 
and Diggs and a couple Smiths and Johnson and Treadwell and Sheryls and Floyd and Khalil and pretty much our entire offensive line. Our head coach was out for a game. Do you remember when they ran over the sound guy even? This has been it. I think our third string water boy is the only person left on our roster that hasn't been hurt at least once during the season. All this to say, we had high hopes and dreams and there was a slim chance that our hopes could continue up until last week and they got dashed. Dashed. Our slim playoff hopes got dashed. We have Clay Matthews here with us today. Um, For those of you who know Clay... Uh, we even ordered his jersey, but it's stuck in a snowstorm. Wouldn't you believe it in uh, like Ohio or something right now? But that's Clay Matthews. Clay and his teammates were the final nail in the coffin to our playoff hopes this season. And in all seriousness, many of you have a lot bigger hopes and dreams that have not come true. And as you look into this year, you're facing these things, challenges that are bigger than you, challenges that are bigger than you. Maybe you had hopes for making a team or getting a grade or getting into a certain school, or a program. Many of you have hopes for a career that haven't come true, or come true yet, or a promotion, or a dream job. We all have hopes for our friendships, and if you're married, for your marriage, for your family, for your kids. We have these hopes, and we have these dreams for our health, for the health of our loved ones. And for many of us, it feels like there's something in the way. It's as if our hopes and dreams are over there and there's something in our way that's bigger and stronger than we are. It's almost as if there's a strong man keeping you from it. And the Bible even uses that language. In a couple weeks, we're going to talk about strong man. The Bible says about binding a strong man. Sometimes that's what a breakthrough involves, binding a strong man. We're going to look at what the scripture says about that. We're going to explore that in a couple weeks. But even as I say that, I think often one of the things that needs to happen is not so much binding a strong man, it's removing blinders. Because so often the breakthroughs that we need to have in our lives, it's really about blinders that need to be removed. We might be fighting for a promotion that God knows that we're going to regret. We might be praying for God to open a door that he wants closed. Some of us, we think the issue is I don't have enough time or I don't have enough money. Sometimes those are symptoms of much deeper issues that God wants to work through and help us get a real breakthrough. So this is a series that's both about binding the strong man and removing blinders from our eyes, even the relationship between these two things, because they're related, aren't they? So here's where we're going to go next week and then the week after that. And there's a place to write this in your notes. Next week, Pastor Jason is going to help us explore this. What can we learn about powerful prayer from the one who has authority over nature and demons and sickness and even death itself? Next week, that's what we're going to explore. And then in two weeks, we're going to wrestle with this question. What can we learn about casting out unclean spirits from the one who is never deceived, never manipulated, or never controlled by them? Now, because we have the kids in here with us this week, we thought it'd be fun to explore these these thoughts with a skit. Does that sound good? All right, we're going to have a little skit here today. So kids, this is, this is going to be fun. We, we wrote this for you. Um, so we've got this skit, and if you're uh, wondering where we found the material for the skit, it is straight out of the book of Mark. So you could even follow along. The book of Mark, chapter 4, uh, the end of chapter 4 through beginning of Mark 6, that's where all the content comes. Because in this series, we're going to focus on a passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 9, 
And this sets that up really, really well. Today's text comes just a few chapters before the text that we're going to be looking at here in just a minute. All right, so with that, let's play a little... Oh, wait, i got to teach you guys your part. You guys got a part in this, by the way. Did you know that? You made... See, your dreams are coming true. You, you just... You made the skit. All right, so here's your part. You actually have two. You're the storm. So when we talk about the storm, here's what you're going to do. First, we're going to say that the wind came. When that happens, rub your hands. Oh, you guys sound just like wind. Huh? Amazing. Okay, then the rain comes. Snap your fingers. So you hear the rain? All right? But then the rain gets harder. When I say the rain got harder, then you clap your hands. All right? Okay? And then when I say thunder and lightning were everywhere, then you make thunder and lightning noises. All right? But then when Jesus says, peace be still, everything's quiet. Okay? Kids, you got that? When we say, peace be still, everything's quiet. All right, so that's your part number one. Part number two is you're going to be the, um, the, the synagogue people in Nazareth. And that part is really easy because they were super under-impressed under by Jesus. So after we read off this big list, list of accomplishments that Jesus does, your part is to look at him and go like, eh. All right? Okay, and you guys do that to me almost every week. So, <laughs> we're, so you're ready for that part. Okay, here we go. Let's, uh, let's play the music. Let's set the scene. We'll have our, ca- our cast get into place. Oh, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. So here we go. Here comes our lovely cast. day near the Sea of Galilee, or so it seemed. A father knelt at his daughter's bedside. A man sat alone near a herd of pigs who let out a little oink. There we go. The woman prayed quietly in a crowd. Each of these characters was facing a challenge that they couldn't overcome by themselves. And Jesus decided to take his disciples on a boat ride that they would never forget. and his disciples waved to the crowd as they set out across the lake. It was only chapter 4 in the book of Mark, but there had already been 15 immediately's. And Jesus was tired. Jesus rested his head on a cushion and soon fell fast asleep. It wasn't long before the fierce storm came up. First came the wind. Then the rain began to fall. The rain fell harder and harder, and soon lightning and thunder were everywhere. High waves were breaking into the boat. The boat began to fill with water. The disciples were terrified, and the disciples cried out, Help us, Jesus! Jesus stood up and said, Silence! Be still. And suddenly the storm stopped, and there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. And, <laughs> and they sailed off to the other side of the lake. Here comes the sun. Here comes 
When they reached the other side of the lake, Jesus climbed out of the boat and motioned for the disciples to follow him. Jesus <laughs> led the disciples to a cemetery where Legion Larry lived among the tombs. Because Larry was possessed by a legion of unclean spirits, the village people locked him up with chains. But the chains couldn't hold him, and he broke free. And day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, dancing to the Thriller soundtrack. We, we, we go for A-lister talent here. I'm telling you. The man saw Jesus coming and he fell at his feet. And the unclean spirits within him spoke. We know that you're Jesus. Son of the Most High God. If you must cast us out, let us enter those pigs over there. Jesus said, go. And the newly possessed pigs let out a squeal. And they did their thriller dance all the way to the lake. <laughs> oh, the man. We've been working on this all morning, by the way. Well, two, twice we ran through. Okay. The man who had just been delivered from the unclean spirits, he turned to Jesus and asked, Can I come with you, Jesus? Jesus gave him a hug then took him by the shoulders and said, Go home to your family and tell them everything that the Lord has done for you. And the man ran off telling everyone about the great things that God had done for him. <laughs> oh, well, Jesus wasn't finished for the day. He motioned for his disciples to follow him back to the boat. And they set out on a return voyage back to the other side of the lake, being careful to avoid the possessed pigs along the way. When they returned to the other side of the lake, a large crowd had gathered. Jesus led the disciples out of the boat and they walked towards the crowd. <laughs> oh, they are the me people, yes. Yes, all right. Well, when the leader of a local synagogue, a man named Jairus, heard that Jesus had arrived, he ran to Jesus. And he fell at Jesus' feet. And he said, my daughter is dying. Please come and heal her. Jesus and the disciples went with Jairus. Well, along the way, there was a sick woman. And she reached out and she touched Jesus' robe. And as soon as she touched Jesus, she could feel in her body that she had been healed. Jesus could feel that healing power went out of him. So he turned around, and when he did, the woman fell to her knees. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. And the woman went her way in peace. And the pigs were now resting in peace as well. And they floated off to a place where the little piggies go in situations like these. Jesus, however, he continued on towards Jairus' house. And when they reached Jairus' house, it appeared as though it was too late. But Jesus turned and said to Jairus, don't be afraid. 
Just have faith. Then Jesus turned to Jairus' daughter and said, little girl, get up. And she did. Everyone was amazed. And Jesus told Jairus, I think you should take her out for ice cream. <laughs> Be like camel ice cream or something yummy like that. And, and Jairus took his resurrected daughter to the nearest DQ. Jesus had one more stop on his tour and he motioned for his disciples to follow him once more as Jesus <laughs> led them to his hometown of Nazareth. On the Sabbath, Jesus began to teach in the synagogue. Here's your second part. And after demonstrating his authority over nature and unclean spirits and sickness and even death, the people of Nazareth were like, that was really good. <laughs> and here's what the scripture says next, word for word. The word of God says, and Jesus could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. Undaunted by the doubt of his hometown skeptics, Jesus called a huddle with his disciples. He gave them authority to say and do the things that they had learned from him. And the congregation gave the cast a big round of applause as Jesus sent his disciples out on their mission. That was impressive. Give yourselves a hand, too, by the way. That was, that was great. All right. Well, before we go any further, I just want to say, for the record, um, the, the sight of seeing Dan in that Jesus robe was awesome um, because we have a young man, a young leader in Dan who really is Christ-like. And I'm really excited to have, have him leading up our team. He's a, he's a great, great man. Anyway, okay, well, the, the skit, um, with that skit as an intro here, let's dig into the text that we're going to be uh, unpacking for the next three weeks. So if you have your Bible with you, let's open up now to Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. That's the text that we're going to be looking at this week and the week after that and the week after that. So it's going to be digging in here. Today we're just kind of giving an, an overview. Uh, if you don't have, your, have a Bible at home, we'd love to give you, one, give you one. So please know that we've got a stack of Bibles here and also at the table in the back there. And we'd love for you to take one home free as a gift uh, for you. All right. Well, today's text comes a few chapters after the text that we acted out. We've seen that uh, Jesus has authority over nature. He has authority over unclean spirits. He has authority over sickness and even death. And if you forget everything else that I say today, I'd encourage you to remember this. There's even a place to write it in your notes. Breakthrough barriers are primarily internal. Let me say that again. Breakthrough barriers are primarily internal. Clay Matthews is not an immovable object. And one of the things that we discovered in our Daniel series is that God even sets up and removes kings. Can God remove barriers that are in our way? Yeah. Breakthrough barriers are primarily internal, trying to discern, God, what is it that you want to do in me or through me in this situation? That's the primary barrier. And it may be to pray until you break through that barrier. It may be that he wants to do something inside of us, but they're primarily internal. All right, let's see what we can learn from the master. Mark 9, 14 says this. And when... 
Jesus and Peter and James and John came to the disciples. So they were coming back from somewhere. And this is really important. The, the Bible, when it gives you these transitions, there's a reason. And next week, Pastor Jason's going to pack into, unpack, where were they right before? Because that's very significant. Where they were, excuse me, right before this. So when they came back to the disciples, they saw that a great crowd was around them. And the scribes were arguing with the disciples. Let's move ahead to verse 15. Uh, And immediately all the crowd, when they saw Jesus, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And Jesus asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. I want to highlight something here. This man refers to Jesus as teacher. And one of the things that we're going to see throughout this text and, and just in the Bible in general is that humility is so important. If you want a breakthrough, it starts with humility. It's huge. In fact, show of hands, how many of you know brokenness almost always precedes a spiritual breakthrough? Isn't that true? Personal brokenness almost always precedes a spiritual breakthrough. Okay, so this father who's coming in humility, saying, Jesus, you're the teacher. I need help here. I need to learn from you. The father continues and says, whenever this unclean spirit seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and he grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they weren't able And then he answered them, Oh, faithless generation, how long am I going to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Now, there's some who've looked at this passage through modern lenses, and they said, that's epilepsy. In two weeks, I want to show you why the scriptures make it clear it's not. This really is. There's an unclean spirit here that the disciples can't cast out. We'll look at that in a couple weeks. And that probably shook the disciples up. The disciples are shaken up because if you had, if we read the scriptures that come up to this, we find this. This is in Mark chapter six. So three chapters before they now come across something that they can't cast out, this happens. Jesus called the twelve together. That was the huddle that we showed there, and he sent them out two by two, and he gave them authority. We talked about that in the skit over unclean spirits, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many people who were sick and healed them. So they had had success in this area before. And now they're trying the same thing and it's not working. Let's go. And one of the theories that I've held for a long time, in fact, some of us were talking about this last week. One of the theories that I've had for a long time is that God continues to level us up in our faith. And it seems like things that went easier for us when we were just getting started. It's like, God, why don't you answer my prayers the way you used to? Why does it feel like I used to be able to hear you and be directed by you, but I can't now? One of my theories has always been that God takes us deeper and deeper. And a lot of times the things that didn't work at one level or did work at one level don't work at the next level where the bosses are bigger. And to collaborate our theories, I was reading, um, doing some research for this week, and I came across this from N.T. Wright. And he knows stuff, doesn't he, Joyce? He knows stuff. He says this. He says, people today often suppose that the early years of a person's Christian pilgrimage are the difficult ones. And that as you go on in the Christian life, it gets more straightforward. The opposite is frequently the case. Can I get an amen? It's like, God, why didn't you? You did back then, but why not now? Isn't that our experience for many of us? As you encounter bigger bosses on your next level, hear this though, there's always hope. There is always hope when you do this. The very next verse says, if we go back to our text, Mark nine twenty, they brought the boy to Jesus. 
There's always hope when you bring your challenge before Jesus. Sincerely, with humility, there's always hope. Always hope. There's always hope for a breakthrough when you sincerely bring your challenge before the Lord. The breakthrough may look different than you expect, but God is always faithful. He is always faithful. Back to our text. Verse 20. And the spirit, when the spirit saw Jesus, immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and he rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus said to his father, how long has this been happening to him? And the father said from childhood, it has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. And maybe you can relate to what the father says next. Immediately, the father of the child cried out. And he said, I believe. But then what does he say? Help my unbelief. You guys, that's a God-honoring prayer. I believe, but help my unbelief. There are some times where you just, you have to come with the little hope that you have. Right? And you bring it before the, like, I, God, I know that I want my faith to be like that. My faith is like this. I believe, but would you help my unbelief? Oh, God wants to help that. He wants to help that prayer. He wants to help us level up between the faith we have and the faith we desire. God can work with a mustard seed faith. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. As long as there's humility. And when Jesus saw that the crowd came running together, He rebuked that unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he what? Arose. Remember that language. He arose. And when Jesus had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, "Uh, Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, this kind, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Some ancient manuscripts also say in fasting. Jesus said, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And I can imagine the disciples' reaction when they're like, this kind? I didn't even know there was a this kind. Oh boy. Jesus was taking them deeper. He was taking them deeper. I found this quote in my research this week. Mature disciples, back in that day, were supposed to be able to carry on in their teacher's absence. Jesus was away. They should have been able to do what their master did. Sometimes a teacher would delegate lectures to his advanced pupils. The matter at hand requires a different sort of preparation than the lectures did. So what do you do? What do you do when you've had success spiritually in an area, making a breakthrough, or maybe just in life, mustering up strength or whatever? You've had success in the past, breaking through something before, and you look at this thing, and you want to break through, and it looks back at you, and it says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. When those friends that you know you don't want your kids hanging around with say, I'm not going anywhere. When that problem that you have been praying and praying and praying and praying for says, I'm not going anywhere. There's 
So many of us that have been there. And we may never have had in a verbal exchange with an unclean spirit, but many of us know exactly what it's like to pray and pray and pray and pray and enlist others to pray and pray and pray. And the thing looks at us and says, I'm not going anywhere. One of my sources said that this incident was an important hinge in the whole book of Mark because the disciples were about to experience fear and challenges beyond anything that they'd experienced so far in their journey. From here, they would pass through Galilee for the last time. They would make a stop in Capernaum. From there, they'd walk into the region of Judea and then into Jericho and then into Jerusalem. And that is where the powerful temple establishment would come against them. And the teachers of the law would come against them. And the Pharisees would come against them. And the might of the Roman Empire would come against them. And they would even see their Messiah delivered into the hands of their enemies and mocked and beaten and crucified. They were about to see things on a scale that they'd never seen before. But Jesus had just given them hope in this incident that we just read. In the form of a deliverance. Here's something I never noticed in this passage before. And this is why it's so good and so important to study scripture. Because it's, it's a deep well. Isn't it a deep well? You can keep coming back and there's always something more there. Here's what one of my sources pointed out. Jesus the beloved son on his way to his own death and resurrection, he rebuked that spirit and it left the boy apparently what? Dead. But Jesus, in Mark's word, raises him up and he arises. What happened when the Messiah went into the grave? He rose from the disciples just saw on a smaller scale, which seemed like a bigger scale, something that was going to be happening on a much bigger scale. Do you see how this works? It's one after another. It's one after another. When the forces of this world came against Jesus during the final week of his life and all looked lost, that is what Jesus did. When it looked like the Jesus movement had died with its leader, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Amen. Amen. And so at this time, I want to invite our worship band to come forward. And I want to encourage you to write this down as they do. There is always hope for those who yield their pride and their priorities to Christ. Isn't that true? There is always hope for those who will yield their pride and their priorities to Jesus, who will humbly, like that father, come and say, I believe, but help my unbelief. I'm going to bring my son to you. I'm going to put my hope, I'm going to put my trust in you. In fact, it would be interesting to go back if we had time and look at everyone from the scriptures themselves. Fact check me on this. On all of those instances that we saw in the skit, there was, there, they came to Jesus, they kneeled, or they, they came to him, they, they looked to him for help. There was a, a surrender of humility. There's a great reason to be hopeful as we head into 2017, regardless of the size of the boss that you're facing out there. Because the one who has authority over nature and over demons and over sickness and even death, he's alive. He's alive. And he desires to work in and through us. If 2016 taught me anything, it reminded me that God is faithful and God can work all things for good. All things for good. All things for good for those who love him are called according to his purpose. So today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Respond. Respond. I want to invite you to yield your pride and priorities to Christ. Invite him 
to give you the breakthrough that you need. Learn and seek him. Say, God, what are you trying to teach me? What, what would you have me to do, Father? And as best you can with this, the faith that you've got to respond to that. And today we have an opportunity to respond with Holy Communion, gathering at the Lord's table, where we celebrate and we commemorate Jesus' death and resurrection. And when we remember that he's coming back, he's coming back. Amen.